0: Jennifer Hambrick, midday host of Classical 101, WOSU Public Media, and creator, producer, and host of the American Sound on Classical 101.
1: I'm John Sherman, associate professor of film at Kenyon College.
0: This is the first episode of Sound Reels, Classical 101's film music podcast. We're launching this series in conjunction with the American Sound's Summer Festival of American Film Music. The Magnificent Seven is a now classic western made in 1960 and starring Yul Brynner, Eli Wallach and Steve McQueen, and directed by John Sturgis, with music by one of the great composers of film music, Elmer Bernstein. In the film, a bandit, played by Eli Wallach, is terrorizing a Mexican village. And the villagers end up hiring seven sharpshooters, led by Yul Brenner's character, Chris, to protect them. Elmer Bernstein composed hundreds of film scores over the course of his career, including for The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, To Kill a Mockingbird with Gregory Peck and for more recent blockbusters like Animal House and Ghostbusters. Elmer Bernstein won an Oscar for his score for Thoroughly Modern Millie and was nominated 13 other times for the Academy Award. And you know, with Joel Brenner, one of Hollywood's great leading men in the lineup, you might think that he plays the lead character in The Magnificent Seven. But really, he's sort of just first among equals in this film, which features an ensemble cast, and in which, as we'll see actually in this episode of Sound Reels, the music itself really ends up being the main character of the film.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting film because it was made in 1960. So, John Ford and Howard Hawks have made their classic Westerns, which are really about our place in the American West. And they're, I think, a little bit more interesting thematically than this film. This film is also before the sort of modern Western that is invented by Sergio Leone in Italy and Sam Peckinpah in the late 60s. So, to me, this film is really just a great uh, genre piece, and we should also note that it is a remake of Akira Kurosawa's classic film, The Seven Samurai.
0: So, how does this film differ from, as you put it, the modern Westerns?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about, if you talk about the modern Westerns, you can talk about The Wild Bunch, I can pause western that's a lot more violent than this whereas if you look at howard hawkes's movies with john wayne those are movies that are much more straightforward in terms of you know this is our manifest destiny and if we don't take this land away someone else will and this is our due
0: relying on your film expertise john i asked you to select a few scenes from the magnificent seven where you thought the music was playing an important role in the drama of the film and the first of the scenes that you selected is standoff at the cemetery. So if you would, just kind of set this scene up for us.
1: Sure. This first scene is the first time we're introduced to the Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen characters. Second story window. Curtain moved. An American Indian has died, and no one in the town wants to bury him in the Whites Only Cemetery. So Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen basically are taking the body to the cemetery to insist that they're going to bury this man. Hey boys, why don't you just turn around right now? Save yourself a lot of
0: trouble. Right, and in this scene, Yul Brenner's character, Chris, is driving a horse-drawn hearse with the Native American man in a coffin in the back, and they're heading up to the cemetery where some of the people who don't want the man buried there are standing guard. And then Chris, who, as you pointed out, is a gun for hire, fires shots at the two leaders of the opposition and injures them both, and Chris and Steve McQueen's character, Vin, are allowed to proceed to the cemetery to bury the Native American man. Hold it, hold it right there.
1: Really, this scene, you can't necessarily say that it moves the plot forward, except that the villagers decide after the scene that they want to hire the Brenner character and the Steve McQueen character. So it's really a scene of character development. And musically, the score helps bring out a lot of different emotional layers that you might not necessarily see in the visuals. And the score is doing a lot of work in this movie. So it's an interesting scene on that note.
0: A me.
1: I feel like the score is almost like a main character in this mm. film, especially in the sense that you have seven guns for hire who, to my mind, are not necessarily individualized throughout the movie. You don't really know that much about them. In the whole first half of the movie, we're just seeing really how the group comes together. This film really does have more music than you would expect in a Western, right? It's almost wall to wall in this scene. And I think what's going on here is that the orchestral score is giving the film an epic sweep that the film doesn't necessarily have visually. So the Bernstein score is doing a lot of the work to help with that.
0: So the next scene uh, you selected from The Magnificent Seven is The Fastest Knife in Town, and there's a very different approach to how music and image interact in this scene.
1: Yeah, so this scene is the introduction of the James Coburn character, and I chose it because it's notable for its distinct lack of music, uh, more so in the first half of the scene. You know, this scene comes, they're still building their team of the seven different gunslingers, and Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen have gone to find the James Coburn character. And he's in the middle of a, a squabble, basically, with this guy we've never met before. You're a liar. And the Coburn character is content to just, he wants to just sort of take a nap. He's sitting down on the ground against a fence, and this guy is just pushing and pushing him for a confrontation. I said you're a liar. So, the Coburn character doesn't actually want to hurt this man, but the guy pushes him so hard that they have this standoff. I said you're a coward and a liar. And it looks like it's going to be a gunfight. Get up! Get
0: up, I said!
1: But instead, Coburn actually throws the knife into the guy's chest before he even has a chance to pull his gun. Get up. Let's do it for real. And the
0: music starts at exactly the moment the knife lands in the man's chest.
1: If you allow the score to play throughout the whole film, it becomes like wallpaper, and you can't use it to differentiate any dramatic moments. So in this scene, they have the good sense to let the scene play without music, to let the tension build through stillness and editing. There's very little motion in this scene, and to use music would have created a kind of dissonance, I think, between sound and image. What I like very much in this scene is that the score kicks in after the death of the man that Coburn throws the knife into. We never learned his name. And what that does is it serves to emphasize a kind of release of tension instead of creating tension. It's a nice scene because what you would expect in a Western is the standoff, the confrontation at the end where they basically just face each other and then you know, the final duel. And you don't get that in this film, which is unusual for a Western. So this is one of the few moments that we have that. And it's you know it's the classic tense moment in the Western of who's going to draw first. <laughs>
0: What would a Western be without a scene that smacks of utter lawlessness? Our next scene from The Magnificent Seven is general chaos in both the action on screen and the musical score.
1: The last scene that I chose is the scene in which the Eli Wallach character is killed. And again, this is also an interesting moment in this film because you don't get the classic Western standoff and there's just a murder at the end, well, uh, uh, of the Eli Wattle character. So I think that, again, this is a really, I kind of chose the scene because the score has to do a lot of work that you might expect the screenplay to do in terms of character development. <laughs> Because the movie is so much of an ensemble piece and there isn't really one main character, I don't get the sense that Elmer Bernstein is able to write any individual themes Mm -hmm. for any particular characters. Mm -hmm. And what that does is, I think it highlights maybe one of the dramatic problems of the film, because at the end, you don't really get the cathartic standoff between the good guy and the bad guy that you expect in a Western. So it's more just like sort of general chaos
0: interesting but you know if there is an individual theme for one character in this score it is the sort of evil uh, and intense sounding music for the villain calvera that bernstein brings in really at the very beginning of the film and that theme is the central tune that you hear in the scene of chaos <laughs>
1: The score doesn't really get a chance to differentiate mm. much mm-hmm. here so i don't want to be too critical you know it's a fantastic film but there's almost a generic quality to how uh, bernstein has to score the scene because he's limited by the somewhat even-handed approach that sturgis and the screenwriter have to take to staging this climax it seems to me a great, a great, uh, you know, sort of a screenwriting problem in the sense that you don't have a shootout between the Eli Wallach character and the Yul Brenner character that you would get in a more classic western, and I think that's a really a sort of a lack of character development as far as the Yul Brenner character goes. Mm-hmm. you you don't see yul brenner doing a lot of westerns Mm -hmm, and -hmm. i think there's a reason for that i think that there's a lack of range that he's not john wayne right you know and and he's
0: yul brenner kind of in everything yeah yeah, exactly so
1: he's kind of got one emotion that he's playing over the course of the film and i don't know if the script would have necessarily called on him to do more or maybe they chose him because the character didn't have to do that much you know this is known as a sort of a classic action film it was remade later just a few years ago. But if you sort of pick it apart, I'm not necessarily sure that it holds up as anything more than a a great action film. But I think the score is so wonderfully compelling that I think it's great for our purposes here. The weight of character development almost falls on Elmer Bernstein, that he's got to try to bring out elements tone-wise that you're not necessarily getting from the actors or the screenplay here.
0: Okay, all right. So Elmer Bernstein's score really is the lead character, then, in the 1960 version of The Magnificent Seven. I'm Jennifer Hambert
1: And I'm John Sherman
0: Join us for the next episode of Sound Reels Classical 101's film music podcast Check it out at WOSU.org classical 101 podcasts And listen to more great film music During the Summer Festival of American Film Music On the American Sound Saturday evenings at 6 and Tuesdays at 7 On Classical 101